there wasn't a baseball show we liked, so we made one. This is Baseball Central with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So I don't want to pick today because I don't know the serenity of it, but yeah, for sure, of course, he's not going to make his next start, that, that, that's for sure. All right, remember yesterday on Baseball Central? It was just a one-hour Baseball Central because of the Jays doubleheader. Today we're on for two hours, by the way. It's Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker. And yesterday we spent a lot of time saying, ah, oh, this is it, Mats versus Stripling. One of them, you know, it's like, uh, what was the Thunderdome? Two men enter, one man leave or something like that, whatever it was. Okay, let's, boy, that dates Man. me. Anyhow. And we're what, all set. It's going to be... Eh, never mind. Thunderdome? It's a movie. Is that a show? It's a movie. It's with, 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 with Mel Gibson. It was one of the Mad Max movies. Oh. Never heard of it. Well, whatever. But the point is... You know, why did I even... We were talking about how one of Matt's or Stripling... Would win the fifth start. Shut up. Stop it. Would would win the fifth starter's job. And the other would automatically go to, to the yeah. bullpen. We spent a lot of time talking about Two it. Everybody spent a lot of time one talking. man leaves. You know what I'm you know what I mean? And uh I mean everybody was talking about it, you know. And everybody. And, well, yeah. Yeah. All we talked about. Well, it was. It was all the you know, Shulman, those guys, they were talking about it during the telecast. Wagner talked about it. But remember what I said yesterday at one point during the show? I said, of course, injuries have a way of sort of removing that discussion. Well, Ross Stripling left after two innings in the second game of yesterday's doubleheader with an oblique injury. Oblique injuries on pitchers are not good. We know he's not making the next start. I mean, Bart, you made the point yesterday. If we're spending an hour yeah. debating the fifth starter's job, which is essentially fifth and sixth starter's job, which mm-hmm. essentially it is, things are going well for the Blue Jays. But the fact of the matter is right now, it looks like they are not going to have Ross Stripling uh, in the interim. That's too bad. I don't know about you, but I root for him. He, he's made a lot of changes. He came out and said basically he was the worst pitcher on planet Earth and he needed to make a, adjustments before he lost his job. And you know, all the things that he's been through, yeah, man-wise, giving up back-leg cities all over the place, and breaking let's be ball, he's tipping it. Let's be they clear. knew it was coming before I was even thinking it. Well, and let's be clear. This is a guy who's on the same team as Tyler Chatwood. Yeah. So if he thinks he's the worst there pitcher on the face of the earth. He was. Ah, that's a cheap shot. I realize that. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. There will be, obviously, further examinations. Um, I'm always... Suspicious, not suspicious, but when a guy makes a major adjustment in season, especially a pitcher to his delivery, I just, I kind of, it's not that I expect the guy to get hurt, but I'm kind of prepared for it not always right. to go smoothly, right? For me, for me it was the last one. When, when he said Petey had, had seen that he was too fast down the slope. Yeah. It, it was in a hurry. It, it wasn't connected, and he was thinking more of you got to sit more in your lower half. You got to put more pressure on that. That would put more press, pressure in, in the middle part of your yep. body, and you might tweak something that way. Ho- again, hopefully he, he's not out too long, and he can come back and do whatever they, they expect him to do. 
right? It's for, for me, it's more about the top three, mm-hmm. hopefully getting six or seven more starts from Alec Manoa. That'd be kind of nice. And then you figure out, you figure Steve, it out, you there. figure out Mats and Stripling. The Jays lost the first game, 6 3, Stephen Mats uh, pitching. He'd gone eight consecutive scoreless innings. Uh, that was snapped in the third yesterday. Um, the Jays came back and won the nightcap 4 0. It was eventful, to say the least. The bullpen. Made it interesting the end of the game, but the Jays emerged with the uh, with the win and split the series. Game three goes tonight. Is it nine thirty seven or ten oh seven? First pitch tonight. Dinner. Nine thirty seven. First pitch tonight. As we are talking to you, the New York Yankees are beating the Kansas City Royals five two in the top of the eighth. Just, uh, yeah, the 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 first couple innings of this game were just. And I was watching it. It was like you needed a hazmat suit to watch it. It was just awful. The Yankees are a tough, tough watch. Yeah, right I'd now. say it's pretty tough toasty watch. in Kansas City today, too. 108, deg- 108 yeah, degrees yeah, yeah. So Fahrenheit. Give them a break. Yeah, 108 degrees Start Fahrenheit. The game at 1205 <laughs> in Kansas City. It's a bazillion degrees. So as we stand right now, the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, boy, they put a hurting on the Red Sox last night. Poor Matt Barnes. They just hung him out to dry. The Rays beat the Red Sox. The front Sox. office for the Red Sox, you mean? Yeah. You can say that. Yeah. The Red Sox are now five back. They are top of the wild card. The Yankees are seven out. They're two back. The Jays are seven and a half out. They're two and a half back. Uh, Seattle is uh, five and a half out in the wild card. Oakland's one up and uh, in, in the wild card race. So, uh, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, yeah, it would have been nice to sweep that and, and pull yourself even with the Yankees going into today's game. But, uh, you know, the split, in the very least, the split gives you a chance uh, to uh, to make up some ground, to make up some ground today. Um, we'll be joined, by the way, by, uh, by Mark Langston, Angels analyst in a few minutes. Jeff Passan joins us. Donnie Murphy will be along. He's the manager of the single-A Vancouver oh. Canadians. And uh, he's 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 got he's got got them all. He's got all. He's got all. Remember what we were saying about New Hampshire a couple of years ago? Well, Vancouver's kind of where they are. Uh, Mm -hmm. Adam Klaffenstein, C.J. Van Van Ike, and uh, and a certain Mr. Aurelvis Martinez, who is I think I think I said he's got three home runs in six games, two home runs and a double in six games since being promoted. Anyhow, Donnie Murphy will join us, and uh, we will take a look at the Vancouver Canadians, and uh, Ben Wagner joins us as well to get you set for the game. Uh, 590, 590 is the text line. It is walk-off Wednesday. You can call us. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. As I mentioned, 590, 590 is the text line. Right out of the gate, NEO in Richmond Hill, Baseball Central. I want to get this right away because I knew this is going to be the talking point. Please provide the logic in bringing in Thornton in a close game. So, Mr. Barker, we will start with that. They were losing. I Like, you called Trent Thornton up for a reason to give you a little bit of length, and they're losing. If they were winning, they'd have brought in their higher leverage guys, the Simbers, the Richards, the Romanos. That's when you're getting those guys. When they're losing, you're going to get the Thorntons and the Dolises, and mm-hmm. that's what you're going to see. And and Simber can't pitch every single game. Uh, Trevor Richards can't pitch every single game. It's, you know, you, for me, Trent Thornton is not the reason why they lost that game. 
No. Stephen Matz wasn't great. The defense was terrible. Offensively, Bo Bichette was 0 for 3 runners in scoring position. Uh, George Springer left the bases loaded, hit into a double play. That's why they lost. Had, for me, it had nothing to do with Trent Thornton. Yeah, I'm I'm with you completely. It's it's not that you – well, let's put it this way. If the Jays had used Adam Simber down by three runs or whatever it was, down by three not runs. Not pitching in the second game. He's not pitching in the second game. No. So – this I, doesn't make any sense in a, in a doubleheader in the correct. fourth inning or whatever that was to bring in your highest leverage guys when you're losing. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense. Um, and as as far as Dolis is concerned, I would urge you to look at what Dolis had done in his I don't know nine his, scoreless. His, eight, his eight previous appearances, nine scoreless. Yeah. So you know, people are. Yeah, I, there's. Listen, feel free to second guess the manager at any point, but man, oh man, you got to have. You got to, you really, you probably haven't watched a lot of baseball if you're all bent out of shape about Trent Thornton coming in, to be honest, in that game. There's. Well, Trent Thornton's left a bad taste in everybody's mouth because he hasn't been good. And from in my mind right now, today, he's not a big leaguer. But, you know, doubleheader's 27th guy. He's probably going to be the guy that can give you a little bit of length, air quotes, in the length part of it if he can throw strikes. Yep. All that mechanic thing that's going on with all the stuff he's doing before he releases to baseball. But. Take Listen, a step. Take a step back and just understand that occasionally, yeah. you 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 got to look at big picture. You got to look at when you're when you're winning a game. And the other you thing, you got it set up for the right ways. Yeah. When you're losing a game, you're going to get those guys that you really uh, don't want to see. The other thing is, you were talking about a seven inning game. You yeah. had you had a couple of innings to make up. It's not like you had five innings to make it up. I mean, it's just as I said, I I don't mind hammering the manager or, or doing that, but wow, uh, if well, again, I just say, use Adam Simber in the first game. You may not have him in the second game. So ask yourself, who do you want facing Shohei Otani in the second game? There you who, go. Who, who do you want? Matters. Trent, Trent Thornton? Rafael Dolis in that or game? Adam yeah. Simber. You're going to get a doubleheader. You're going to get Dolis and Thornton you are. at some point. You just are. Or mm-hmm. you're going to get Brad Hand and those guys at some point. You just are. Uh want to talk to you about the defensive play. I want to talk to you about the defensive play by uh, Vladdy, the play that wasn't made on on that pop-up. You're a first baseman. Yeah, the, he was in trouble right away. Break that play down it, for it, me. It is. Well, you can tell right away when he threw his glove in the air that he did. He was having a real tough time picking up the baseball. You want to be as quiet as possible. You're trying not to panic. It's impossible to do that. Everybody's looking at you. You can't yell and scream for help from the second base. He's too far away. The ball's right on the line, right behind first base. It's your ball. Now, Cecil Cooper, when I, when I was coming up and learning how to go from center field to first base, he was always telling me, when you lose the ball in the sun, try not to panic first and foremost because normally those balls at the big league level are way up there. So you got a little time to panic and then get yourself under control. But there is a, when you're trying to catch that ball like Vladdy did over his shoulder, there is a blind spot between the bill of your cap to the time the ball gets somewhere around your glove. And Coop always used to tell me to try and play it off to the side. So you could at least give yourself a chance to always see the ball. Now, the sun, when it's in there, it's going to go in and out. So you're seeing it parts. You're not seeing it the whole way. And that's sort of what Vladdy was doing. You could tell he wasn't seeing it. He was seeing it. He wasn't seeing it. And then he saw it at the last minute, and he sort of swung and missed on it with his glove. It's an impossible play. You know, if he catches it, if he sees it, he catches it. But let's also, it's not like Trent Thornton came in and gave it up. Yeah. It's not like he came in. That's a makeable play. That's a play that should have been made. Ten times out of ten. 
So just just throwing that out there. And and I, I as I said, I'm I'm glad we uh, we had that question about uh, going to Trent Thornton. And I also wanted to talk to you about about Vladdy and that. Fourteen innings play. in one day, you're going to see somebody you don't want to see. Just it happens. <laughs> yeah, that's it happens. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, unless you're leading from wire to wire. Yeah. And, and, your, starter, and your starter goes six. As we said, one of the keys to the Jays' success recently has been the fact that uh, the bullpen has been kept out of high leverage situations by the starting rotation, and they've scored a lot of runs, and that wasn't the case in that game. I want to also talk about Bo and Vladdy's at-bats in game, at bats in game one because that's the first time this year that may have been two of the worst at-bats I've seen them have this year. It looked to me like they were they were having a real tough time with the shadows. Uh, you know, that, that sinker in, slider away combo – it's not an easy thing. You know, you see, you saw Vladdy with two batting gloves. You saw him one batting glove. Yeah. You saw him with no batting gloves. That, for me, is not a physical thing. That's more of a mental thing where something went away. Well, it's feel of something. It's feel the lower half's not, you know, the front foot's not getting down on time. He's not recognizing pitch out of the hand. He wants to be quicker, which means, you know, you don't want to not be able to feel the barrel. That's probably why he's not using any batting gloves. It's a it's a marathon now. The last fifty games of the season, it's a sprint now. You know, you you can basically eliminate what you've done up until this point. At least the teams that are in it, and now it's a fifty game sprint. And you need your your horses to be horses. He'll figure it out. Just swing at a, a better pitch. That's the big league level. Is it is all about what you're swinging at? He gets a good pitch to hit. Everything will work out. 416-870-0591-888-666-0590, star 590. It is walk-off Wednesday. Give us your name. Give us your location. Give us your thoughts after that doubleheader split ahead of tonight's game. If you want to talk about the AL East race in general as well, feel free to weigh in at this time. Uh, it gives me a great pleasure to bring in Angels analyst Mark Langston into the conversation. Mark, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. We, we trust you're keeping well. <laughs> yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, you know, tell us before we talk about these these two games in this series in particular. Tell us a little bit about where the Angels are right now. You know, we know that Mike Trout is is hurt. Obviously, they have Shohei Otani. We know about the lineup and that. But you know, everything I'm hearing, Mark, and this would right be right in your wheelhouse, to be honest. Everything I'm hearing is that the pitching is actually is maybe a little closer than a lot of people think it is. Well, definitely the, the youngsters have arrived here with the angels and it's been the weakness for this organization for many, many years. We saw at the draft, the draft this season, every pick, all 20 picks were pitchers this year. 19 of the 20 were college pitchers. That's meaning that they hope that their arrival is a lot quicker than normal. Anytime you go after a collegiate guys, their path to the big leagues can be a lot quicker and accelerated. The Angels are in their window. Any way you look at it, you've got Mike Trout, who just turned 30 years old. Shohei Otani uh, is, is going to do a battle with uh, Vladdy Jr. for the MVP. Shohei's got the edge because what he's capable of doing on the mound. It's the only reason that I think Shohei will win the MVP is because of that. If you go strictly offensively, Vladdy's going to win it. So pitching has been the issue for this ball club and some of the youngsters uh, have really stepped up, and Patrick Sandoval is one of the youngsters that we've seen him in the big leagues before, and sometimes he's only 24 years old. So it, it takes a minute before some of these guys figure things out, and he's had a lot of 
on-the-job training. It hasn't gone so well, but this year, everything is finally starting to sync up. You saw Chris Rodriguez, who has started the year in the bullpen with the Angels, uh, and he, he's blossomed. He, he's got a bright future as far as being a, a nice rotation piece for the Angels. Uh, obviously, Shohei's the front end of the rotation. He, he is It's crazy, and you'll see it tomorrow night with Shohei on the mound. That'll be a fun game tomorrow. Uh, and he's a dominating ace of a staff. He has that kind of stuff. He can shut any offense down. Uh, it'll be a fun battle for him tomorrow because knowing where the Jays' offense is. So pitching's been the issue. Obviously, here this season, you just mentioned it, Mike Trout, you missed one of the best players or the best player in the game of baseball for the most of the season. Anthony Rendon has been in and out of the lineup all year. He's done for the year now with right hip surgery. You've had limited action for Justin Upton. He's been on and off the injured list this year. Jared Walsh, who was an all-star this year, he has now missed a lot of time here in the second half with an oblique injury. Couldn't see him back as early as tonight. So you're talking a lot of firepower offensively for this ball club, not to mention Dexter Fowler, who they signed in the offseason, and he was going to be a fixture in right field, got hurt in the first week of the season, and he's been out all year. So a lot of the offensive side has not been there this year, and that hurts for a team that is light on pitching and you're expected to beat people up offensively and you have all those weapons not available to you. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Vladdy and Otani. I, I was talking to, about Vladdy before you came on about batting gloves. He, you, we've seen him use two. We've seen him use one. We've seen him use no batting gloves. That's sort of a mental whatever he's going through. Have you seen anything, anything like that from Otani from the All-Star break? No. He is as regimented as it gets. This guy, I, he does look a little tired. I, I will admit that. Mm-hmm. And I think his schedule that he's been on has been something that uh, they've been trying to monitor as best they possibly can. This has been the first year that all the restrictions have been removed from Otani. He's been given full reign to go ahead and do whatever he wants to do. He just needs to be transparent with Joe Madden and say, hey, I need a break. Joe checks in with him every day going, how are you feeling? How's your body doing? And they're, all they're asking in return is Shohei to be dead, brutally honest. We just came off a three-game uh, series with the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. So Shohei only got three at-bats. He needed those three days and then an off day on Monday to kind of reset because this guy's been going at a crazy pace, including what happened at the All-Star Game, being involved in the Home Run Derby, the All-Star Game. All the activities that are involved in that are draining to anybody let alone a guy that everybody on the planet wants a piece of. So uh, he looked a little tired since he's come back from the all-star break uh, and you see it offensively uh, and and hopefully he'll start to find it uh, and take some better swings. He had a good swing yesterday to start the second game with that triple down in the corner. So hopefully things will start straightening out for him offensively. Now, Mark, I got to tell you, I understand Trout Otani are the big stories but the guy that I like watching, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. The guy I love watching hit in this lineup is David Fletcher. And I know a lot of baseball people talk about it. I don't I don't I wouldn't say he's underrated because baseball people love the guy, but you get to see him play every day. Tell me a little bit about him as a hitter, because I I I, it, I don't even use the phrase professional hitter form. It it's 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 almost like watching almost like watching somebody deconstruct a pitcher's approach. Like, that's the only way I can put it, watching him at the plate. 
He truly, you hit it on the head. He is one of the funnest guys on the planet to watch play the game. He has that baseball IQ that is through the roof to where, whether it's defensively, he thinks things through. I mean, he can easily win a gold glove at second base because of some of the stuff he does. And again, we see him on a daily basis and the impact that he has on a game on a daily basis offensively, you can't teach what he's capable of doing. And the guys that can expand the strike zone and put the ball in play and do some damage in those situations, those kind of guys drive pitchers absolutely batty because you feel like you can make a great pitch or you have him set up in a situation where the next pitch is going to be executed. You think you executed on the outside part of the plate a good slider. Next thing you know, he goes boop off the end of the bat, mm. and it finds some grass in the outfield. Uh, he's one of the most frustrating hitters, I would think, for an opposing pitcher because you, he, he's going to put the ball in play any way you look at it. You, you are not going to strike this guy out. So you have to know that going into it. You have to figure out, how can I get him out? And when he starts to pull the ball, and he has definitely, when he's gotten hot and really went through that big hitting streak and seen some of the things, saw his average climb up, it was in the two. 50 range or 240 range to see it now over 300 when he got his red hot like that he started pulling the ball more because we see teams try to play him in in the right field area and take away that right side but uh he's one of the most exciting players you could put him anywhere in this lineup and joe has uh joe madden has put him in the nine spot he's put him in the leadoff spot the number two spot he is the to me the best two hitter and i would love to see otani Fletcher the rest of the mm-hmm. way out. And and we don't know if we're going to get Trout back or not. But those two guys at the top of the order, because David Fletcher can do anything you need. If you need a hit and run, he will put the ball in play. He'll put it exactly with the field. Whatever fielder decides to vacate the area, uh, he will be able to put the ball in play. So it, he is truly one of the most exciting players to watch on a nightly basis. Mark, listen, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Be well. Thanks, Mark. You got it anytime. Take care. It's Mark Langston, Angels radio analyst. And uh, 9.37 tonight will be the first pitch from Anaheim as uh, the Jays continue their four-game series. And tomorrow we got, what is it tomorrow? What's the matchup tomorrow we're looking at? Barrios Otani. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590 is walk-off Wednesday. What that means is, good call, good text. We played at the end of the show, you walk us off. Joe in Mississauga, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm great. How are you guys doing? Nice hearing you on the radio again. And uh, I hope you're hanging around on the fan because I'm not liking where sports radio is going. But uh, anyway. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping we will as well. Now, don't get worried. We're both. We're taking next week off. I haven't had a week. I haven't had a week where I've left my house since the pandemic started. So I'm taking off next week. Uh, Barker's going to finish the weekend and then we'll be back. I think we're back on the 23rd. Enjoy the break. I just, will. Go ahead, Joe. Just a, just a couple of things. Uh, you know, I'm watching, like, we finally went to 26 on the roster, mm-hmm. and uh, there's only three guys on the bench. Yesterday's a doubleheader, 27, and there's still only three guys on the bench. When's Major League Baseball going to figure out that they need a lot of pitchers, they're breaking down, and the game would be more exciting if, there'd be, uh, if there was uh, more players on the bench. 
that uh, can sub, can pinch hit, could run. Anyway, I, I'm looking at that. I just think uh, they're so slow in making that change. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one point. And the other's with Otani. Like, the, the guy's Superman. And I'm wondering, are there other pitchers that had that skill set? Uh, you know, Kevin, you might know. Wow. In university, and they just never had that opportunity because that would help that 25, 26, 27-man roster if they could uh, could hit too because he's incredible. And, I mean, that yesterday he went up the line, Buck said it was 4.1 or something. Yeah. And, he, oh, he's... and it was a regular grounder to third, and it was a perfect play. Yeah, he is. Uh, and, and thanks for the call, Joe. Thank, thanks for the uh, kind words as well. That's the thing people don't realize. I mean, he is a, he's just a, he is a God-gifted athlete. That's the only yeah. way to describe it. There have been pitchers who have been good hitters, obviously. I'm mean, thinking back to guys who are really good athletes. Even when I started covering baseball, because the National League didn't have the DH. So I saw a lot of guys who were pretty good hitters as well. I mean, I, I think the hitter, the pitcher now, that a lot of people talk about is Madison Bumgarner, but that's based basically off yeah. that those two good years. I don't, I don't think we will ever see. Now, a, the Rays have a guy. I think it's Brendan. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it wrong here. The Rays had a guy that was a two way player. Yeah, they drafted, but the way I don't think we're gonna see a guy like that in North America, Kevin, because mm-hmm. Shohei Otani. I just don't think North American society right. and North American baseball development would allow I'm a guy sure to do that. I'm not sure there's any money in it for players. There you I, go. I, I really, I there do, you I'm, go. I'm really wondering about, he's a free agent. Otani's a free agent in 2024. And I had this little mini conversation yeah. with you before we went That's on, a great point. On, I hadn't we thought about it. We went on the air of next year when he shows up. Say he hits 50 this year, and I'm just throwing this out there. He goes 10-1 and one with an ERA of, of somewhere around 2.5, two, two and a half. Why wouldn't he pick one? Could he make more money if he just picked one and tried to do that? Because he's a free agent when he's 30. Yeah. So so you got to figure the, the toll on his body to try and do both at this level, how much money's in it? That, that That's the big thing for me is why you do the sports that you do at the highest level is to make bunches of money at it. Yeah, and I think the thing that with uh, Brendan McKay, by the way, was the guy, the Tampa Bay Rays two-way player. Health, uh, I think, is the reason is why a, he's not doing it. Yeah, either. health is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, look at you. You <clears throat> you went to college. You were a pitcher. I was. The reason, and, why, the reason why I quit, the, the higher levels you go, the harder it got to do both at the highest level. But, but what That's I'm why. saying is I don't think there's as much leeway given. And, and it's not just this. It's We talk about every sport now. We We... We want our kids to specialize now. We don't want our kids to play three sports. We want them to specialize. That's kind of the way it is. And and I really think Shohei Otani is a product of a of a Japanese system yeah. that is probably just, a little more just saying, little more open minded. Saying free agent twenty twenty four. Half the half the teams are eliminated because he can't do that in the National League. He can't play left field every single thing. day. Here's the thing, Kev. Plus hit and plus pitch every fifth day. It's impossible to if, do that. If in the new CBA the DH. The universal DH Maybe. comes in. Yeah, that there's would not there. He would be the one guy that it really would have. There's not a team in baseball that wouldn't take Shohei Otani. So what well, it is, you know, the thirty is the new forty. How is that going to handle? How would his body handle now, the routines? It's a lot to ask. Yeah, my at and, the highest level. And, and let's see how he gets through a full 162 game the season really high in the too. And I also think that maybe if you're Shohei Otani. 
I mean, how do you, yeah, I don't even know how you'd begin to, 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 to value, to evaluate no. him, his market value. And, and I guess if you're Shohei Otani, a lot would depend on the team you want to go to too. You know, a lot would depend if it's me and I'm Shohei Otani. I know we're up against it here. If it's me, I stay with the angels unless the angels Hell, don't pay they, uh, me. Uh, they signed Upton to over a hundred. They signed Trout yeah, to over 400. They signed Rendon to over 200. Can they pay another guy that? I, I think what has to happen they have to have a year where Mike Trout is healthy, Shohei Otani is healthy, and they win and in order Scherzer for that to work. That, they have to have that type of year, and <laughs> yeah. that, that may be hard to get. Donnie Murphy is a manager of the single-A Vancouver Canadians. He's got some pretty good Blue Jays minor leaguers on his team, uh, including the guy that we all think is one of the two untouchable players in the organization. He'll join us next. This is Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Donnie Murphy's the manager of the single-A Vancouver Canadians. He'll join us in a few minutes. But, uh, well, if we're going to go out to the West Coast, why don't, we, why, don't we go, why don't we go a little earlier? Why don't we go to the West Coast now? Then we can just get Donnie Murphy because he's out there already. See what I mean? We're out in the West Coast. See what you did. See what I did there. Mm-hmm. Chris and Victoria here on Walk Off Wednesday on Baseball Central. What is up, Chris? How you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, by way of uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan as well. There you go. Um, awesome. Yeah. Blair, you know what it's like to the uh, prairies, eh, buddy? Yeah, I do know the prairies, yes. I do know the prairies. Uh, yeah, I love the show. Long-time listener. Great to talk to you, Kev, as well. Uh, my question as you know, a team coming to the West Coast from the East Coast, you know, what what do the players, you know, what do they enjoy coming out here? Or maybe what's the harder part going from that early East Coast time to the later uh, West Coast time? Chris, thanks for that. Uh, Kevin, yeah. you, I mean, you've done it. That's a great question. It's it's very individual kind of thing. It's, it's a lot, lot has to do with routines. It's a lot that... They're not familiar with their surroundings. You could tell the team yesterday, Vladdy having trouble with the sun. Mm -hmm. uh, The hitters having trouble with the shadows because of the time of the games. Uh, It's just, it throws a lot of that off. You know, it's even as simple as what time I get up. When do I eat breakfast? When do I eat lunch? When do I go to the batting cage? All of those things, because you're going from the east to the west, is thrown off. And you have to... Figure out ways, especially being a younger guy. Yeah. Figure out ways to overcome that, not so much think about it, other than, you know, get back to your job and think about C-ball, hit-ball, that kind of thing. Yeah, we had Bill Ripken on yesterday. He made a good point. Teams now have got, like, sleep ther- sleep therapists and all this, so there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, the, the argument was always, what do you do? Do you hit the ground running and adapt immediately to West Coast time, or do you stay on East Coast time for the first day? I mean, that... Never works. It's like anything else when they did, you they did have a day travel internationally. That they could that get helped. used to that. They slept in. They did whatever when, when they were going eating. And they, they could sort of get their internal clock going that way. But for me, it was more of when did I go to the cage? When did I eat? Well, you know, did the ball carry certain times of the day? It's all of those things coming into mix. And good teams overcome. Yeah. Well, Plain and, and simple. The other thing, other point that Bill Ripken made yesterday that I thought he was talking about how first day, and he's seen other guys do this as well, the first day of that West Coast trip, if you're an East Coast team, you go to the ballpark early, you just you go out in the field, you just walk around. What did he call it? What was his line? He said, I used to call it going to the, going to mm-hmm. the cathedral. You get your mind adjusted for West, the West Coast road sure. trip. You go out there, just take, take a, 
take a bucket of balls and and just whatever and then go and Mm -hmm. pick up the balls yourself but kind of get the feel of being out in the field and that okay now we're getting ready to do back to that surroundings thing yeah knowing where the sun's at knowing you know if you hit a ball to this part of the field what it did just getting acclimated to those kind of things it's about it's performance driven this it has nothing to do with off the field things are so nice at the big league level that right you can overcome that kind of thing. It's performance. I want to ask you this very quickly because I do want to get to to Donnie Murphy, but very, very quickly, I'll ask you this. That first game in the West Coast where you're playing, you're an East Coast team, about the eighth inning, do you have a feeling that, God, I should be in bed by now or I should be in the bar by now? A lot of that depends on if they're winning or losing. Okay, well, there you go. That's fair. How you're doing, pitching on the mound, how you're doing in the field. If you're if you're doing all those things at the highest level, you don't care what time it is. The Vancouver Canadians are the Blue Jays high level single A affiliate. They are playing their games this year in Hillsboro, Oregon. Um and uh they've got we talked about this. They've got Adam Kloffenstein and and uh uh CJ uh Van Eyck and Arelvis Martinez, a guy that well, a guy that we started hearing people talk about in the organization last year, and then th- this year it was just a, as, yeah, I mean, I've had guys in the organization tell me he's the guy, our untouchable guy, along with Moreno. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's our third baseman of the future. I, I, I wouldn't say the guy's come out of nowhere, but he has certainly climbed up at a rapid rate in the minds of the folks in this mm-hmm. front office. Donnie Murphy is his manager at Single A Vancouver, and we're very pleased that he joins us today. Donnie, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and myself on on Baseball Central. I'll just ask you, first of all, you know, look, the Jays are back here now. Thank God. We're enjoying having them back here. What's the status with the Vancouver Canadians? And, and, you know, just tell us a little bit before we get to the players about, I don't know, what it's like to have have all these young guys in Hillsborough and, and, you know, try to sort of just try to get them acclimated. Yeah, I mean, I wish I, I wish I had an answer for you guys. We're we're still trying to figure out what what our situation is. You know, you hear one thing one week and something else the next week. Um, you know, the latest I heard was you know possibly September, maybe the last two series of the season. Um, obviously, trying to get confirmation if that's uh, if that's legit going to be a, a date or if we're going to end up staying in Hillsboro. Um, I think it's just it, it's a little weird. We want to get up there. I mean, just playing in Hillsboro. Um, you know, the fan base there is, is more uh, the local team than it is us. So it's kind of hard to get up. I know I can I can sense the guys are just sick and playing in front of 100 people a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but as of right now, we, we just have no idea. And we're just we're just we're ready for whatever. Don, Donnie, what, what's your job when you get 19 year old prospects, you get 20 year old prospects, you get 22 year old prospects? What's your job? Is it hands on? Is it take a step back, watch before you're you're hands on? What's your job in all this? You know, I think we just sit back and, and, and let them let them get acclimated on their own, let them get comfortable. Um, you know, I think as coaches we can just jump in and, and feel like we need to, you know, put our fingerprints on guys at times. And, you know, sometimes you just need to go out there and let them get comfortable and play, um, you know, especially with the Ralvis here right now. Just, just seeing how he adapts um, to a new level. Um, I think that's where we're currently at right now. And, and there's growing pains when you do that, but there's a lot of – there's a lot of things that positive things that can happen out of that when you let them uh, try to figure it out and then you just get in there when you need to. What can you tell us about Aurelvis Martinez from what you've seen so far? Because I'd be lying if I said I've seen more than maybe one at bat that he's had. Now I've watched him online, but that's not the same thing as, as seeing him in person. What can you tell us about him? 
Uh, you know, he, you can see a gifted hitter. You know, there, there's something in that bat. Um, obviously, very young. Very uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of growing areas that he can he can develop right now. Um, I think you know he is one of our best bats in this organization. Um, and obviously, you know, he dominated low A, and now he's trying to figure out how he can dominate here in high A. Um, I think right now for him, it's just the biggest thing is just trying to, to uh, make adjustments to how high A pitchers pitch to him now. Um, I think he's starting to see they're, they're seeing some weaknesses in his swing that he's going to have to, you know, adapt to um, and make changes on his own. But, you know, it's fun. It's fun watching because, you know, at any swing, the ball can leave the yard. Um, unfortunately, they're pitching him really, really tough right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's definitely there. Yeah, how about first impressions defensively from him? Uh, actually, pleasantly surprised for a kid that's 19 years old. You know, a lot of times you see uh, the game speed up on him, uh, especially shortstops. But uh, he seems like he slows it down internally quite well. Uh, he's made every play possible, hit right to him. And, uh, you know, he even made a couple plays deep in the six hole that uh, you're very surprised that he made. Uh, I understand that this will be an organizational decision, but there have been people in the organization who talked about, have talked about possibly moving him to third base at some point. The plan right now, though, is to leave him to leave him at short, or is that? Yeah, again, I understand it's an organizational decision, but as far as you know, is that the plan? Yeah, as of right now, I mean, it hasn't been talked about. Obviously, he's only nineteen; he's growing. You know, he can outgrow the position. Um, but right now, he's handling himself well. You know, and obviously, in the big leagues right now. You know, having Bichette there, and, you know, hopefully he stays there long-term. But, you know, if Arelvis can do there, and, and in the future it depends on you force the, the big league team's hand a little bit. But right now, shortstop, haven't heard anything different, but he can't play third if, if we need him to. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about uh, Adam Klopfenstein and C.J. Van Eyck? Have you seen anything you like? you seen uh, some things that they might need to improve on? What's the impressions of those two guys? Uh, in terms of Klopfenstein, it's just being consistent and trusting his stuff. Um, I, I think at times, and he'll even admit it too, that he gets out of uh, out of character a little bit and tries to be someone different than he actually is. Um, those are normally the games that he struggles with. Um, but going back to last night, I think we saw him trust the stuff and actually try to execute those pitches that he can throw. And I think he had 11 strikeouts last night. I think it's a career high for him. Um, and I think his velo was up a couple miles an hour too because of it. Um, he is a big leader when he when he goes out there and trusts his pitches and not try to try to morph into someone else. Um, and he will admit that I've heard him say that this year, but uh, you know, it's just, it, it, I just think this year is good for him, honestly, because if you go out there and dominate every year and, and all of a sudden you get the triple in the big leagues, you struggle for the first time, it's going to be very hard to figure out how you can get get out of that and, and get back on track. But I think this is a good learning, learning pain for him. And, you know, hopefully this will, will help his development in the future. And, and what about CJ? CJ has big league stuff, you know. CJ, um, I think his troubles this year has been first inning. I mean, first inning has really dictated how his uh, his games have gone. Um, you know, normally when he has a clean first inning, that's normally when we see the best CJ. Um, and normally when he's 25, 30 pitches first inning, uh, it's a very short night and very frustrating night for him. Um, he does have a big league fastball and curveball, you know, and if he can get that over early on in the game and, and uh, not get his pitch count up high, that's uh, when he normally dominates, you know, and for CJ, that's the biggest thing going forward is just trying to, you know, execute and get on top early on to make his uh, outing successful. Donnie, knowing that the, uh, that the minor league season was lost last year due to the pandemic, what, what are the, uh, how have you and your staff and the organization approached this year? Is there any different? Do you have to watch for things because you may have guys who didn't play a ton of baseball last year? Yeah. I mean, I think our approach is, 
Um, we know they missed the season last year. Um, we know there was going to be some growing pains this year with some of these guys not having a year to develop last year. Um, and maybe some guys are actually a level higher than they should be, you know, with, a, you know, being pushed because of the draft or losing a couple of, you know, teams in the organization. But uh, I think it's just patience. The one thing we, we, we preach is patience early on, knowing that there could, there could be some growing pains with a lot of these guys. Um, so we're just taking a slow ride making sure that, they're, you know, as much as I think we all want to win as a team right now, just making sure that these kids develop and, and, and get better uh, regardless of uh, team wins and losses. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge right now is just uh, keeping these guys motivated through a whole season of 120 games that they haven't done before. Um, it's tough. It's a grind. You can start, you can see they hit, they hit that wall. Uh, just trying to get through these last uh, five, six series of the season uh, with, a, with a positive note going into the offseason. Donnie, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck going forward and uh, stay safe and be well. Thanks, Donnie. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Donnie Murphy, manager of Single A Vancouver yeah, yeah. Canadians. I love that. See that? Uh, yeah, that that was one of my questions. You know that I've had all along is how do you make up for that lost season? I love yeah. what he said. There are some. We've got to be patient. There are some guys who may be a level higher than they should be because it's, there are fewer teams. And yeah, you would know what that means it, it, as a minor leaguer. The, the the big leagues is different now, though. You're, you're seeing Vladdy at 22 make it to the big leagues. You're seeing Bo make it to the big leagues at a very young age. They can do that. And to ask a, a Relvis Martinez to, you know, back off and, and adjust to certain things, it's mm-hmm. – I used to try and be a player, and I was a young player. And for a manager or anybody or an organization to walk up to me and go, it's okay, it, you know, it's – Obviously, it's a different game. What I did here was he can hit a fastball. That's that's the thing. The first thing first you thing look at is yeah. can he get the foot down and get it singing on velocity? Sounds like he can do that. And the pitching-wise, it sounds like routines. First inning for me screams routine. Things you're doing before you go to the mound. Things you're doing, you know, in the bullpen. Is it throw more? Is it throw less? Is it weighted ball program? All of these things add up to, right, you hit the ground running. Sort of like Jordan Romano. Yep. Jordan Romano had to make some adjustments. So when the bell rang, when he stepped on the mound, it wasn't 94, 95, it was 98, 99. You're starting to see that it is, you know, with what the blue Jays have now at the big league level and to hear guys like Donnie talk about the organization and what they got coming. How can you not be excited being a blue Jays fan? No, and I'm going to say this about Adam Klofenstein as well. Uh, the guy's 20, 20 years old. They, he, he, yeah. he, he, he turned pro, turned pro out of, out of high school. So when you hear, when you hear a manager say, I love that, sometimes he gets out of character. I, I know exactly what he's talking about. The guy doesn't hard. know who he is right now. He doesn't. And yeah. that's, that's not an, it, it guy the just, that's of, not an insult. It is the air of velocity. How many times at yep. the big league level for the Blue Jays have you seen a guy throw a pitch and turn around and look at the scoreboard to see how hard it is? You tell me a 20-year-old ain't going to do that? Yeah. He's, seeing his, he's seeing his brothers do it on the big league side. And I got to tell you something else, too. You're a high school pitcher in Texas, man. There's, yeah. something, not, there's something to live You're up six, to. Five. How hard do you throw? Exactly. That's it. Every, every, every high school pitcher in Texas. People looking at him, how does he compare to Roger or Nolan? Like, think about that. That's, that's, that's what people are thinking of. How does, how does yeah. he compare to Roger? So well, as soon as he said that, I thought, okay, I understand exactly what's happening. That yeah. was uh, a, a terrific interview. And cool. uh, yeah, I, that, I really want to get out. I want that team to be back in Vancouver. I'd love to go to a game at Nat Bailey because everybody says it's terrific. We'll take a break and come back. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, so we're watching TV here, and uh, before the French Fry commercial, they had a shot of the Field of Dreams game. 
Kevin, uh, Kevin Barker. I got to ask you, somebody's going to be able to hit a ball into a cornfield, the Field of Dreams game. Mm. What's the weirdest place you have hit a baseball into? Like Cemetery. Huh? Cemetery. I think it was the Columbus Clippers, Cleveland Indians, yeah. AAA team. Uh, I remember hitting balls and said to myself, I'm sorry. Because there's a, cemetery, there's the a cemetery, cemetery right, right over right there. Right center, right, right center field, right field line. It was right behind the fence. Did you ever go and, like, sort of just sort of check out the names of the folks and that and anything like that? Who the hell would go and retrieve balls? Did they have people retrieving balls in a cemetery at night? I have no idea. Wow. So you could really be, are you ready for this? As a lefty, you could really be a dead pull hitter in that ballpark, could you? Eh? Get it? Get it? Come on! Dead red, dead pull hitter? You're no fun. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. One's a lefty who'd often pitch hit against the pen. There's a lefty with a pen. Ex-MLB player Kevin Barker and sports writer Jeff Blair host Baseball Central on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, it is walk-off Wednesday on Baseball Central. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. 590-590, if you're only textually able that's a text line jeff passan and ben wagner will join us 6 37 tonight first pitch at 9 37 which is six i had the right local time six six thirty seven pacific time i'm thinking of chris and victoria I was. Eh, Donnie Murphy, my mind was on West Coast time because we were talking to people in the West. So my mind was on... I screwed up. 9.37 is the first pitch. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Chris, what's up? Or, sorry, Paul, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, how are you guys? How are you? Doing well. Paul and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Has the Chris Crush Davis contract affected how star rookie contracts are negotiated by owners, I guess, to extend early, as you've seen with Tatis and Acuna and the guys you got here with the Jays? And and if you're going to have Jeff on, please, please talk about Miguel Cabrera. If you're not on next week, and I want to give a Hall of Fame tribute. Walk off your Wednesday, uh, if you let me. Go ahead. From the Detroit Tigers, first baseman, number 24, Miguel Cabrera. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. I think we may, we may even use that. We uh, might talk about Miguel Cabrera. Well, they're in town next week, but we won't. We won't be on the air till the Tigers have been through here. So, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, the Chris Davis contract, I, I, listen, you know what? It's funny because when Vernon Wells signed his contract, I remember thinking, 
it was the most untradeable contract in baseball. We all said it was going to be an untradeable contract. Along come the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and in fact, they did trade for him. But Chris Davis's contract appears to be the only non-tradable contract I have ever seen. Yeah, sometimes you make a mistake. You make a mistake. Uh, yeah, a huge one. A, a huge mistake in the case. Of, I don't think. I don't think it has any. I don't think there's any lingering effects there on on young players' contracts. I, I mean, I, I I tend to think the exact opposite. I think the way this game is going, and this is going to be a big part of the next CBA, one of the key points is going to be how do we get more money into the hands of younger players quicker? Because, you know, as, as, as Barker said, there are going to be a lot of guys who are going to be free agents before they hit the age of 30 in this class, right? You know, guys like Bo, Bo's going to be, Bo's going to be a free agent at 27, 28 if the rules don't change. Vladdy's going to be free agent at 27, 28 if the rules don't change. Yeah. Uh, what I think the Chris Davis contract uh, has done is it really impacted the market for kind of one-dimensional sluggers. You know. Um, Made you stop looking for a guy that's got a giant uppercut in his swing, one-dimensional, using one part of the field, not yeah. the entire part of the field. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's a good question, though. I get, Let's bring Jeff Passan in from uh, ESPN. We've got a lot to talk to you about, Jeff, but we just had a caller ask us about the Chris Davis contract and sort of... I'm just going to ask you, is that the worst... Will that go down as the worst contract in baseball history? Ooh. See, now... Because this mean, guy Josh, got me thinking. Josh, Josh Hamilton's contract was oh, really bad. Yes. Oh, my God, that's right. I forgot about that. Josh Hamilton's... Uh, I feel like Josh Hamilton wins the day there. But if you, it, like, I, I, honestly, I haven't done enough of, like, a, a war accounting to, to mm-hmm. be able to say that uh, the numbers back up my, my intuition and supposition. So I'm not going to say that Hamilton's is the worst. I'm pretty sure it's the worst, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and that's one thing about wars. You can use it to figure out. You can use it to figure out how bad contracts are. It was just, yeah, and I don't know. Again, we had a caller on. He wanted to know if there are any sort of lingering effects of that Chris Davis deal beyond. Oh. Dude, there's, there's no question. You know who I thought of? Now, he is a better player than Chris Davis. Okay. All around better player, better base runner, much better defender. Joey Gallo has Chris Davis offensive profile. And the offers that the Texas Rangers were putting out there when they were trying to extend him didn't get anywhere close to Chris Davis money. And I think if I'm Joey Gallo and I'm going to free agency Hmm. in my late 20s, I want Chris Davis money. I want Chris Davis money because the power and because of what I can do uh, in all phases of the game. And and Gallo, again, good base runner, excellent defender. And, yeah, he goes through fits and starts when it comes to offense, but he walks a ton and he hits tanks. There you go. We got the answer to the question. Go ahead, Mark. Okay, the, I think the last time I talked to you, I'd, I'd ask you where you thought the Blue Jays were at, what chance they have. You know, you've, you've had a little time now to watch George Springer in the leadoff spot. You've seen Jose Barrios. Has that changed your mind or no? I don't know. I thought I was kind of bullish on the Blue Jays, wasn't I? I don't remember. I, I, I was thinking. I you think you're you thinking of me. I was the one that was saying they weren't going to yeah, make well, the playoffs. I think, I think you thought the bullpen wasn't really good enough. There was other American League teams that might slide into that that are a little bit better later in games. Yeah, all of those things are still true, but the, the question is, does, does the offense have the ability to push them past that? More than that, 
does the starting pitching have the ability to go late enough into games to paper over the problem that is the Blue Jays' bullpen? And I love Jordan Romano at the back end, and I think Brad Hand is certainly uh, a better option than they had. I, guys, when I'm looking at the relative strength of teams, the first thing I look at is their run differential. Mm-hmm. And the Toronto Blue Jays right now have the third-best run differential in the American League and the fifth-best run differential in baseball. They should be better than they are, and they're not as good as they should be because the bullpen has blown games. Uh, But I look at that lineup right now, it's scary. I look at that rotation, kind of scary. Like with Manoa, as good as he's been, with Barrios in there right now, with Robbie Ray doing what he's done, we know Ryu is better than he was in his last start. I mean, it's a deep rotation, too. That's the thing about it. They go six deep. So uh, the the pitching doesn't concern me as much as it once did. Uh, They just need better performance out of their relief pitchers, and they'll be in the playoffs. Well, you just mentioned Manoa. Yeah, he's pitched 52 in the third. He's he's made 10 starts. How much longer do you think he's going to go? Do you think gloves are off, or do you think they're going to massage him through the next however many starts he's got? I hope the gloves are off. Me too. I'm with you. Sorry, they're going for a playoff spot right now, and if Alec Manoa breaks down, then he was going to break down no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like that's just. I, I, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not going to fall back on like I'm the guy who wrote the book on the arm, so I know everything. It's more the opposite of that. I'm the guy who wrote the book on the arm, and I still don't know squat. And and with what we don't know, that extends to the idea that if you keep a guy down, that that somehow portends good health going forward. It doesn't. It doesn't. Now, do you want to go and throw him 225 innings this year? No, but he's not going to do that. And so I think the fact that he was down for the first month of the season, let him rip, man, and and get into the playoffs and get him that experience so when you're trying to win a World Series, which is not out of the realm of possibility this year, by the way, he has that playoff experience. Jeff, uh... You know, our friend, I think our friend Mike Petriello had an interesting stat about how the Blue Jays since July 1st have have had the fewest high leverage plate appearances by their relievers. So that gets to your point about good offense and good starting pitching. You know, if you can eliminate, if you can make sure that it's only Jordan Romano or Adam Simber who are who are in that situation, that's kind of what you want. Right. You want you want to keep you want to keep the Dolises away from the, the the sharp objects in the drawer. So that that gets to your point. But I wanted to. I, I wanted to talk about the Rays. I know I can see Barker rolling his eyes, but they beat the Red Sox last night. Now, unless I'm completely wrong here, it, it looks as if the Rays at some point might be going down the stretch with four rookie starters. Um, you know, look, what they did in 60 games was, uh, you know, going to the World Series was something else. The Rays have always sort of made a habit of surprising us. But where might this rank? I mean, if the Rays, they're five up now, I think. If the Rays yep. win this thing comfortably, where does this rank among all-time Razy things to do? It's right up there. Uh, it, it was interesting. I, I'm sure you guys have seen Marcus Peters on ESPN Airwaves. And uh, mm-hmm. Marcus decided he wants to be a baseball fan now. He grew up rooting for Atlanta. He was from the South. But uh, he's looking for a baseball team. And I was talking with him about it. And I said, you know, if you want a team that plays really good, fundamentally sound baseball, doesn't have any stars, doesn't have any big names, but they know who they are and what they're good at and you like that, then the Rays are your team. 
and and I I said the Jays too. You know, if you want excitement, uh, if you want a crazy lineup, good starting pitching, that's a, a good farm system, good team to root for. The, the Rays just they do pretty much everything right, Jeff. Like they they field the ball well, they pitch well, they tell their relievers who have one great pitch, throw that great pitch a bunch. Uh, you know, you look at Colin McHugh for example. Colin McHugh was the best relief pitcher in baseball over about a two-month stretch, and nobody knew it. He gave up, I think, one run in 30 innings, struck out 50 guys, walked like five. And what he's doing is throwing a slider and his cutter. He was at 40%, I think, four-seam fastballs last year, or 30% four-seam fastballs, 10% cutters. Uh, it's completely flipped. They find what you're good at, and they tell you to do it and to trust it. And let me tell you, that goes a really long way, and I think that explains how they're capable of doing what they do without a Vlad Guerrero, without a Bo Bichette, uh, without a George Springer, without these guys who everywhere else are stars but don't necessarily make for a great baseball team. What are they going to have with Shane Baz when he gets there? I don't ever call a guy a one Mm -hmm. before he shows me that he can do it for at least three years of elite pitching. So I'm not going to say Shane Boz is a one. But I think there's two stuff in there. Uh, I mean, it's a guy who's going to be 95 to 99 uh, with a really, really good breaking ball, uh, command and control, and he's got that, uh, that Texas fire that you like to see out of starting pitchers. You know, he wants to be great. And it was interesting. I, I, I saw Shane Boz a couple of years ago when I was down in Bowling Green, Kentucky, doing a Wander Franco feature. And he said, you know, when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, he, he felt lost uh, and he was reinvigorated when he got traded to the Rays because uh, he felt like they were handling him the way that he needed to be handled. And all he's done since he's gone there is be an elite pitcher everywhere he's been. You saw it in the Olympics. Uh, he's just another guy uh, on top of Patino and McClanahan and the rest of the guys who they have who are going to form the, the core of that rotation going forward, and it's going to be a really good rotation. Is uh, Chris Sale enough to fix the Red Sox? I think Chris Sale, Tanner Houck, and Jaron Duran playing – is enough to keep him in the postseason potentially. But Sale by himself, uh, as good as he's been in his minor league rehab start so far, I'm not going to sit here and ever say a guy coming off Tommy John is going to immediately be great. You, you just haven't seen enough of those cases. I mean, Jose Fernandez, if you guys recall, was every bit as good after his Tommy John surgery as he was beforehand, but he's the exception, not the rule. So I, I hope to see Chris Sale pitching great because the guy's a monster when he is, but – uh, to sit here and say he's going to save him, nah, I don't think single-handedly he can do that. Mr. Passon, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, as always. Thanks a lot. Pleasure's mine, boys. Be well. Take care. That's Jeff Passon, MLB insider with ESPN. The Rays are going to have four rookies. Boz, uh, McClanahan, Fleming, Brain Cramp, and the other dude. They'll figure into helping them go where exactly they need to go to. Mark, they're they are they're not running away with the division. They're pretty damn close to running away with the division. They haven't had Tyler Glasnow. Yeah. I I'm not gonna listen. I you know all the raise up thing aside and everything like that. Like this is pretty. If the Rays win this division, 
they will have won a division against a Red Sox team that was much farther along than we thought. A Jays team with an all with 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 a terrific lineup, and and I mean the Yankees who just basically went out the trade deadline and added two impact pieces. Yeah, they've won five Pretty in a row. Remarkable. They've won five in a row, and against teams of five hundred or better, they're forty-two and thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get, they got you right where they where they. You want have you. to beat them every single time you play them. Yeah. It's rare that they beat themselves. You know, and and uh, they did put Ryan Yarbrough uh, on the COVID IL, but somebody made a point yesterday um and was talking to somebody in an article i'd written on sportsnet.ca about the COVID 19 thing and all that and they said you know one of the most amazing stories of the year is going to be if if tampa bay can win this division and not have like a major COVID outbreak they've had incidents they've had guys that have gone on the COVID outbreak for a couple of days at a time randy rosarina was just recently on it but florida's where it seems like a lot of teams go there that travel to florida that's where a lot of the the problems begin. Um, you know, as I say all along, maybe actually what's happened is they, they, the Rays have, have some sort of super serum. They've given all their players that, that it's just going to keep COVID-19 away. But the, that, that game last night, like I, we saw the Red Sox here in the, we, the weekend and I thought, okay, they don't look that good. We were talking about this. You watched that game last night. They looked defeated last night. And mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Miller, who is a longtime Red Sox reporter, his first question to Alex Cora after the game last night was, is this as bad as it as it can get? And Alex Cora said, I hope so. Just really, really, really seems optics-wise that the front office had a plan and they weren't going to go away from the plan. And And as Jeff said, now listen, they've got – They've got good young arms. They got Tanner Houck. They do. Wheel up. And that Garrett Whitlock, some scout someplace deserves to have his salary triple for getting that real five thing. Yeah, this, if if the Red Sox do fall out of it this year, don't think for a minute that that means, like, I'll tell you what, right now, I bet they're better than the the Yankees going into next year. I bet they're better than the Yankees going into next year because they've got, if you look at their minor league system, they've started to accumulate some assets, you know, and and I... Especially if they fall off and don't make the playoffs, they're going to make a serious run at something yes. in the offseason. Yes. Now, you know, I guess the thing where it gets interesting is you know, with a lot of those position players out there, you got Bogarts, so you don't need a shortstop. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who would look real good in a Red Sox uniform Anthony playing Rizzo. second base for him. Playing second base for the Red Sox. Marcus Simeon. Damn right. <laughs> you, th- you laugh now. I'll tell you what. If I'm the Red Sox and he's a free agent, I'm making that call. I'm making that I'm call. I'm calling Rizzo, too. Yeah. But I'm... I'm how did that Marcus Simeon going that, to Boston? And with that little short porch and left... Oof. See, although I still think that the Yankees are going to keep, I, I, I think the Yankees are going to end up keeping Rizzo. I, I think Rizzo, Rizzo to me just screams, absolutely screams Yankee. 416 870 star 590, 1-888-666-0590, the number to call. 590-590 is the text line. It's it's walk-off Wednesday so far. We've got a couple of good candidates to walk us off. That, that's, that's uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Ben Wagner will join us later on as well. Um. Hey, what is this? Gareth and Bowmanville. 
Did you see the swag they're giving away for the Field of Dreams game between New York and Chicago? It's amazing. You guys need to look that up. It's unbelievable what Fox is giving away. How do you get your hand on one of those things? Crazy Gareth and Bowmanville. People are going to be people going to be trying to go to their way to watch that game. I think. Hopefully, it turns out to be something they do every single year too. It would be fun to it, see different teams. Go you know and play what? There. I got to tell you something. Like when they started doing, you know, going to playing the the game at the little league it, it, to combine with the little leagues and some of the other things they were doing, the military game and all that. I thought, oh, you know, the Field of Dreams game. And I, I, I don't like necessarily like that movie anyhow to begin with. But what the hell? That's an aside. I kind of roll my eyes at it, but you know, it's basically the same stuff that hockey does with their outdoor game, their outdoor game. And, and I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I think, I think the more, the more fun you can have with it, as long as the players embrace it. And you know what? The players seem to have a lot of fun. They have a lot of fun during that little league thing. When you see them, yeah. they seem to have a lot of fun with it. So as long as nobody, you know, gets lost in the cornfield or something like that. I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. I don't know, man. Some big ass corn there. Did you like that movie, Field of Dreams? I did. What's your really? Okay. I, I, it's not even like my top three favorite baseball movies. The Natural. Natural number one. Bang the drum slowly. I always tell people you've got to, you've got to see that. Bang the drum slowly, and uh, and and I still. Bull Durham still makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. I watch Bull Durham and it makes me I feel the dreams. I don't know. It's almost like he knew it was coming. He did. I told him. Stephen Calgary. Sorry, Steve. Stephen Calgary says he just puked in his mouth when he heard me say Simeon with the Red Sox. Yeah. I almost did too. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I didn't say that to like ruin your day or anything. I just said, do you, do you disagree with me? He'd look better in the Blue Jays' uni. Jose Ramirez and him and the Red Sox together would look For really me, good. I think they're all in. You got a five-year window here with Bo and Vladdy. Yeah. You might as well push hey, you, all your you made, chips. You made, uh, you made a fascinating point the other day about Marcus Simeon. Um, you know, if, if Bo gets through this year healthy, you made the point. Do you, do you have a discussion with Marcus about coming back next year, signing him to a long-term contract? And then seeing if, do you move, would, would Bo move to second base for a guy who is a good teammate, a guy he seems to like? Or, do, work, you, or do you leave Semyon at, at, at second? I'm, Bo, I'm, wor- Bo works for the Blue Jays, not the other way around. I don't know about that. Somebody you, had. Uh, you don't think so? Yeah, no, I, I do. But somebody mentioned that to me. Maybe, because I was originally kind of dismissive about. Do I sign Robbie Ray? Do I do this? I, I, I got to see Robbie Ray at the end of the year before I decide what I'm going to offer him. And if he wants three years, I got to really think about it. But I'm thinking a little more and more about Marcus Semyon. Three years from Marcus Semyon. Yeah, I played 16 years to try and find what he has. He has a repeatable swing over and over and over and over and over and over. You've and talked over about over, that. You've talked about that. Over and over and over again. You saw the one guy yesterday who had three hits with the shadows was him because he has the same swing all the time. It's just I'm looking for something straight. I'm looking for a strike. I can repeat, pick it up, set it down in the same spot, level my swing out over and over and over again, and it'd be hard to let him go. Andrew in Mississauga, you may have our walk-off Wednesday text. I will read it after the break. That's called the tease. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, the fan. 
Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, welcome back to Baseball Central. 9.37 is the first pitch tonight. Boy. There you go. Let it beat you. 9.37 is the first pitch tonight. Jays and Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Ben Wagner will have the call. Radio station. He will join us in a few minutes. 590-590 is the text line. We got a text that we have to get to because it's something I'm kind of kicking myself right now that I didn't mention earlier in the show because it's something I noticed and I know you have an opinion on it, but uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Jim and Hamilton, what's up, Jim? Gentlemen, when I look at Espinal and Valero at third base, not only defensively, but their offensive numbers, where does that leave Biggio? And when I look at Kirk offensively, and I look at McGuire defensively and offensively, where does that leave Jansen? <laughs> and both those guys, Biggio and Jansen, on the 40-guy roster. Yeah, uh, Jim, well... Uh, I'll tell you, thanks for the call. I'll tell you where it leaves them. First of all, if you're Danny Jansen, you get every opportunity to heal. Uh, I, look, I think we've been pretty clear. To me, the 40-man roster thing, to spot at this point of the year, I'm okay with that. Kevin Biggio can't get in the lineup for me right now. And, I, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I want... I just want Santiago Espinal to be my everyday third baseman and catch the ball. That's all I want. I don't. I, Kevin Biggio's bat plus defense to me isn't enough to make up for Santiago Espinal's defense alone, let alone whatever he's going to give me. Kevin Biggio, for me, in the offseason, needs to make a huge mechanical change with his upper half to see if he can hit velocity again. Right now, he can't. The yeah. elevate, It's right now, for me, he, they don't even have to elevate the fastball. No, they you, just ma- have you to made throw that point. A yes. That's somewhere. And most of the time, he's not going to square that up. Now, if he just makes a little bit of an adjustment when he's attacking the baseball, can he stand straight up and down and do it mm-hmm. instead of having the bent waist that w- which creates the big loft in his swing and drops the barrel below his belt? And I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I got to tell you, I'm perfectly happy with the Kirk McGuire platoon going forward. I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, Tell me, me why. For me, the number one catcher is not on the team yet. Well, okay, but we're talking. I agree. It's going to be Gabriel Moreno at some point, and you're and uh, you're going to wait and see. But you're going to have to get somebody next year to get you through to that point. I agree. But for the rest of the year, I'm more than happy with McGuire and Kirk. For the rest of this year, what's Danny Jansen going to give me that 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 Reese isn't giving me defensively? I'd be surprised Danny Jansen's going to play again. Didn't didn't sound like he's. You know, the injury that he has is lingering. It's going to be very hard to get away from. He's going to get every chance to heal. It'll take some time to heal. You know, you may see him in in September, late in September, that kind of thing. But it's – I'm okay, too. You know, uh, Reese McGuire has been decent behind the plate. He's he's a decent blocker. He's been throwing the ball well because he's got confidence. We've talked about it. All the the bottom of the order has to do for me is one of those two guys has to get in base somehow and turn it over. Espinal, McGuire at the bottom there. Just one of those two guys. Get a walk, move a guy over, get a walk, whatever. Turn the lineup over to the top. That's all I want out of those two guys. And again, I'll I'll just ask you. You know, 
in the ninth inning, a one-run game, ball gets belted to Santiago Espinal. Do you ever go, whoa? Nope. Oh, yes, that's what I do. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. This was the text I wanted to get to. This was the text I wanted to get to. Where is it? I just lost it. I can't believe that you did it. No, no, no. Here it is. Andrew in Mississauga. And uh, Sean, we will, we will get to you in a few minutes. But Andrew in Mississauga, this question about Bravik Valera stepping up as the pitch is coming, right? You saw how he took two steps forward. One just step. want, sorry, one step. He wants you to talk about that. He wants you to talk about that. Uh, and, and Buck made a point during the telecast about you will see guys do that against a sinker ball pitcher. You're shaking your head and I, explain why you wouldn't necessarily do that. Well, when I was coming up, that was a no-no. A, a good pitcher at the big league level saw you do that. You would wear it in the ear, rib, hiney parts, knee. Something is going to hurt your next at bat. They, they wouldn't handle that. You do that because a guy's got a really good late-life sinker. You're trying to do a little trickery. You're trying to, you know, get in a little bit bit of the batter, uh, back of the batter's box, and when he throws it, it is that little late run and sinker that you try and catch before it sinks. No problem if you move up before the pitch, right? Like if 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 my second at bat, and I okay, I'm overwhelmed here. The next time I go up, I move up a little more, but but I it's I'm not running up as soon as he throws the pitch. I set up closer. Maybe 2021, you're okay with that. It's a lot of luck involved. All right, mechanically, it's very hard to land in the same spot, you know, be balanced, catch the ball exactly in the right spot. When when you're moving and the ball's moving, it's almost yeah. impossible to do that. Because now you've got the round thing hitting the round thing, but it's, you're moving at the same time. It is, You know, it was, it was kind of cool to see because you rarely, ever, if ever, see it. Now, when I played, you know, it was... You would get... You, you had to be careful about who you did that against. In the minor leagues, you could do whatever you wanted to. But at the big league level... You know, I, I could just picture when I saw that yesterday. If somebody would ever, would ever do that against Max Scherzer, how, how would that look? Go, how would he feel about that? You think? I don't think he'd be real thrilled. No, it's just the old, the whole optics of because otherwise you would see it more often. Well, you don't see a whole a lot because it's very hard to do mechanically to time that up and right. catch it just right to where you're hitting a line drive the other the, way. You know, ultimately, you're trying to catch it before it sinks. Which is very hard. Why would you do that instead of doing that? Just go up and and Wait don't make pitch. it obvious when right. you're moving in the batter's box, so you don't have to do that. That that was the thing. Is if I knew a guy like Richards throws a power sinker, guys are having a tough time hitting it. I'm gonna move my very first at bat, my very first time I walk to the plate, so it's not obvious that the catcher. That's goes, what I oh, said the last wait, time. Though. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? Why but, did you do that your and then point you mix is, it up? And- your point is you, it's hard to do that from one one at bat to the other because of where you're going to land, right? Yeah, if, if yeah. Bravik Valera next at bat was, was to come up, you're probably getting a four-seamer in, you're getting a breaking ball, you're not getting a sinker away. Yeah. The, only, I mean, the only player that I covered who would do that a lot, and we talked about it, is, uh, is Moises Alou. And, and now, Moises would, Moises also, if you threw inside to Moises, he'd move up over the plate even more. He, he, he had a, I remember people talking about his, his approach, he would challenge you. Like, he, he was a, as his dad was, he was a challenging man when he, he was had at a, the plate. He had an elite hand speed. He knew himself mechanically, which is a big deal. I, I've hung out and talked with Mo yeah. forever in winter ball. 
we, we talked a lot about hitting and approaches and, and what he tried to do. He was a turn-and-burn guy. He wasn't trying to go the other way. He was trying to stand on the dish, throw me your best one, and I'm going to see how hard I can hit it to the pool side. That was mm-hmm. his approach. Now, most people can't do that, but he's a very quiet hitter. No hand movement, no lower half, yeah. you know, load, none of that. He, it almost, was, he basically held, he just held his bat kind of. And throw it at the baseball. Yeah, exactly. Right in the, almost in the middle of his body. Stand right on the dish. Yeah, he was uh, he was a he was a terrific player to watch. Go to the phone, Sean. What is up, Sean? Hello, guys. You're happy. Why not, Blue Jays? I mean, there you go. On. I mean, you know, I mean, really, quality of life stuff uh, in the in the summer. <laughs> Very quickly, if I may, my ninety seconds. Yes, it will go something like this. Kevin Barker, you're getting better talking baseball to the fans because when I, what I hear from Kevin Barker, he talks baseball to baseball people mm-hmm. and there's a certain interpretation that is almost understood and he's getting better with, with that overall explanation. But I listen to him and he knows baseball and he talks a certain way. That's the first point. Mr. Neal, you, you, you're a good host television and radio you understand the pace of it so i very much appreciate that on to the blue jays in the last 15 years how many times can you write down the names of that starting lineup including pitchers and relievers on a piece of paper and count how many guys you're well unfortunately disappointed with (laughs) and today's team with the addition of the bullpen and Mm -hmm. how many People, can we actually write down a piece of paper and be disappointed with? Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the call. Thanks for the kind words. I, I, I mean, I look at that. I mean, I look at that bullpen. That's a good point. Like, who? Like, Rafael Dolis doesn't just. Rafael Dolis is Rafael Dolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romano. The only thing that has ever disappointed me about Jordan Romano is I just, I, I wish, I wish he could go two or three days in a row. And that's not on him. That's. And the rest of it, I, I will admit, and I don't want to turn this into Trent Thornton bashing. I expected, I thought Trent Thornton would turn into something at the major league level. Didn't know what it was. Wasn't certain it was a starter. But I saw enough in spring training his first year, and I thought I saw enough during the season with Trent Thornton that I thought, okay, they've got something here and Pete Walker's going to figure out what it is. And it may not be a starter. It may just be like a right-handed Steven Matz kind of a guy. Thinking about the impression he made initially on the organization, that's kind of been disappointing for me because if you go back and read a lot of the stuff that was written, a lot of the stuff that was said about Trent Thornton, a lot of people in that organization really liked him. And the other guy, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I was the guy that said I thought he was going to be one of the big points to the season this year. Ryan Brucky's inability to hold down a regular job mm-hmm. is really, that to me is a disappointment. You could throw Nate Pearson in there too. And Nate Pearson as Expectations well. Expectations with Nate and but I also said it, I, performance. I also said at the start of the year that I was looking at whatever Nate Pearson gave me as being, as, 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 as being a bonus. I'm just... I'm not a, I'm not all in on him yet. I haven't been all in on him. I still think three years down the road, Nate Pearson's going to be closing. That's just me. Um, but I'm 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 not I'm not that disappointed in Nate Pearson because I didn't expect that much from him. Bark. I thought 
I thought I thought they really had something with Ryan Barucki, and they still might. But uh, there there have been a few times this year where he's throwing pitches, and I've just kind of scratched my head and thought. And I, I understand he's not an older guy, but he's been around a while now. He's sure. got to have. I think if you're Ryan Barucki, you got to know a little bit about about who you are, and that I find him really puzzling. Yeah, for me, it's between the years with him, the mechanics, the the health issues, the 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 forearm, the elbow, the shoulder, all of the things that you have to get past to be a really good reliever. Sometimes you got to be able to mm-hmm. play through not feeling well. For me, Ryan Barucki's not there yet. He just doesn't know, okay, when it's not feeling right, what do I do to You're not to, ready to, to give up on him, though, are you? No, he's got really good stuff. Yeah. He can pitch in to righties. He can elevate. He's got a really good slider he can punch people out with. I like it, but he's got to get past that. When you're not feeling good, how do you get? How do you be good? Yeah. I don't think he knows how yet. Yeah. No, that that's 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 really well said. I I mean, I you know, I think Trent Thornton is what he is. Kind of made peace with that, but <clears throat> I I still think there's something with with Ryan Brucky. Just the quality of that stuff and mm-hmm. the and the mix that he has should be it should be usable. He should be able to have a major league career with that. You know, again, knock on wood. I want to see Nate Pearson healthy. a little bit of the attitude that Alec Manoa has. It's yeah. me against you. I don't like you, and, and I'm going to show you because I got great stuff. Oh, and by the way, here's 101. Try to hit Let's it. see it. Ben Wagner is the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He'll join us next. This is Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now, back to more Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, welcome back to Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm about uh, 18 minutes from going away on holidays. Barker, you got a couple more days. Yeah, I know. You're number one, too, Barker. And uh, you got a, you got a week off next week. No, no week off. What are you looking at? I'm counting the weeks until I get some holiday. It's Ben Wagner, a radio voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet 590, the fan. I, you're probably going to be doing this at least through. When does the World Series go again? Ooh. Oh, they're going to the playoffs. I'm just going to call it right now. Oh, you went from... <laughs> no, I just figured I'd do 82 that. 82 and 80 to... I just wanted to make sure that you were paying attention. <laughs> I thought I walked in the wrong room there for a second. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just. I just want to make sure they they got a better chance of going to the playoffs than Boston does. I'll say that. I'm feeling ebullient or buoyant or whatever it is. How are you feeling, Wagner? On West Coast time. That's <laughs> yeah. how I'm feeling today. Yeah, double header, night uh, number one on the West Coast, but good, but good. Hey. I'm still kind of riding the wave of the energy of being back at Rogers Center, too. Yeah. No, I'm not going to lie. That was a lot of fun. Uh, so, I guess we spent all that time we spent talking about stripling and mats. We can kind of, like, just throw it out. That fixed itself in a hurry, doesn't yeah, it's, it? It's funny how the, beautiful. Yeah, it's funny how all your, uh, all your best laid plans go out the window. Um, look, uh, obliques and pitchers, not a great, not a great situation to say the least. Um, what do you think the long-term impact is on, on this bullpen of, of, of possibly not having Ross Stripling? Well, big, because ideally he would have been the long guy, and that's something that they have not only wanted for weeks, but months. They have yeah. been trying to find somebody to go in there that can pitch when you're up eight, down eight, or in an uh-oh situation last night. And the guy for that uh-oh 
just was the uh oh, and that was Ross Stripling. Also, on ad by the way, Anthony K. You saw that Anthony I did, K. And was that, that's what well, that was my follow up because yeah. Trent Thornton hasn't been the answer. Anthony K.'s hurt. And Anthony K. was scratched right at go time when his back stiffened up in Buffalo last night, from what I'm told. Yeah. So now that's a major concern because he hasn't been as reliable as what the Blue Jays have wanted over the last couple of years. But Anthony K. would have been the guy because he's next mm-hmm. in the pecking order. And now you're hoping maybe a transition with Thomas Hatch. But again, how how much do you ding your overall depth in starting pitching yeah. options? Man, we're we're talking a lot about a fifth and sixth guy and a and a, and a fourth inning, three inning guy that if well, you're, what do you want well, us to worry well, about? Well, okay, what do you want I, us to worry okay, about? Alec, Alec Mandoa is making his eleventh start. I think it's his eleventh start. I'm not worried about well, Alec Mandoa. Well, he makes 17, 18, 19 starts. Yeah, he's going to make that because he's already missed the month. I think the three week layoff for Alec Mandoa was the biggest key to the Blue Jays' success going down the stretch with the off days that they've come that they've got coming up. You won't need the fourth or fifth guy, depending mm-hmm. on how they pl- lay it out. And Alec Manoa is part of the plan down the stretch here. And yeah. I think that workload that was removed with him falling down the steps, unfortunate as it was, and I don't think he's been the same guy since coming back. Fastball hasn't had enough life. Slider's just a little bit different. But I think that salvaged the overall concern about how many innings and when do you shut him down if you shut him down. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And I think also the other factor in here is is – you know, let's keep in mind that we are going to get to a point where we're going to have to talk about that Hyunjin Ryu. How many times does he need the extra day down the stretch? Because that's always a factor with him. I mean, it just is. It was with the Dodgers. It has since he's been here. Now, you're right. The, you know, I was looking at the schedule. Having an off day before you play Washington and after you play Washington, that's almost perfect. Like If you're Charlie Montoya, you, you're probably looking at that schedule and going, that really helps. Just the spacing of those two days helps us remarkably it, it's incredible it, it's a breather for the blue jays they can line up who they want to line up for the next turn in the rotation mm-hmm. i think it it buys them a lot of time right now in the short term where they're trying to figure out where to go from here and how to line up the pitching the rest of the way because that's ultimately what it's going to do too it's going to tee it up for the rest of the way getting to september in those big matchups um take away who presently is the matchup and i'm not worried about this string of 19 consecutive games playing outside the American League Mm. Eastern Division. There are some good teams in there. There are some ways to make waves against Oakland, against the Chicago White Sox, go to Seattle, make your noise felt, and just finally push away the Mariners and let them stop being pretenders in this wild card race. The Blue Jays have prime opportunity to do a lot of things, but it will start with their pitching and their starting pitching, first and foremost. Maybe dumb question. Would it help Vladdy to move him to the three spot, put Marcus Simeon in the two spot? I looked at that. I've thought about that a really long time. I think ideally the number three spot is for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But right now, would you rather have him batting third or second, knowing that George Springer is going to bat in front of him and Marcus Simeon is having an unbelievable year? Mm -hmm. Is that more protection? Maybe they have to pitch to Vladdy a little bit better or a little bit more aggressively, knowing that Simeon is right behind him. I want the Vladdy of a month ago. If that means you move him to the three spot. Baseball wants the Vladdy of a month ago, but... I, I mean, it's just not there. I mean, he's he's a little bit a mess right now. How do you fix that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's not because they're not attacking him. They're they're coming right after him. They're it's hard and soft away. They're they're not making any bones about we're not pitching around you. We're not nibbling to you. I've, it's listen. sinker in. It's slider away. It's four seamer in. It's curveball away. They're coming right after him. Bark, I, I think 
I just think the guy is, it's not that he's wearing down, but I think it's it's that time of year. Bo's not, like I said yesterday, I thought those were two of the worst at-bats I've seen Bo and Vladdy having the same game this year. Well, Vladdy told you he had a bad at-bat. Yeah. When he smashed the bat down in the and left-handed batter's box. And then Bo came up and, and yeah. just, now, listen, I think Bo was banged up, but... That's the other thing. I, I I did the same thing. I thought, okay, do you move Vladdy to third? I can't move Vladdy to third with a banged up Bo Bichette behind me either. Third in the order or third base? No, third base. Third no, in the no, order. No, no. Third in the order. I, 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 just heard, yeah. I just heard yeah. to no. third. I was like, hold on a second. Yeah, no, third no, no. in the order. Third in the order. He's yes, playing first third. until he's not a Blue Jay anymore. Yeah, yeah. You, oh, I'm all in on that. Yeah. yeah. I'm all in on that. Yeah. But I, I, that's that's... I, that's that, what in I the long thinking. term, I would like him as a number three hitter. I just, I think that he is in a better position right now, batting second I, with the way that the Blue Jays. I are. just wonder about following up George Springer. You saw a little bit of that when Vladdy was smoking hot. George just came off the IL. Looked to me like he's trying too hard. I see Vladdy up there just squishing bugs and hmm. back leg city all over the place. What are you going to do? You're human human being. You're standing over there. Gave me 150 bones. I'm going to go up there and be just like Vladdy. It's a lot to ask, and you're seeing George doing George things now, leading off. Vladdy's trying to go up. Maybe I'm, I'm. Maybe this is me throwing rocks at something, but you know, it's a lot to ask a 22 year old to follow up that. Now, you think That's it's how? Do you think it's how he's being attacked from the pitchers or Vladdy in the batter's box? I think it's both. I, that's what that was my kind of mission on Saturday and Sunday at Rogers Center to talk to coaches and people that work with Vladdy enough to get a sense of where they think it is. And they think it's more of a timing issue with Vladdy versus where he had been attacked different ways by different organizations, teams, however you want to look at it earlier in the season. He was recognizing everything and everything was on time. It didn't matter. Low and away, up and in. It, he was going to battle. He was going to get to it. And one of the things that uh, was pointed out to me is a couple of swings where he went the opposite way. He was caught way out in front. The timing was off, but he's still able to hit a laser mm-hmm. to right field. Uh, but you could tell his timing was off. And that was the indication to me that maybe it would just come around for Vladdy and not be less or as concerned with Vladdy or more concerned with the way that he was being attacked. Can the Jays be successful using the bullpen the way it's being used right now, relying on Adam Simber? And, and, you know, hopefully Jordan Romano can keep it together. Like, I, it's weird because, you know, I, I told the story about talking to Charlie and they were talking about how, yeah, when Adam Simber comes in, you kind of exhale because, it, you know, there's that kind of that calmness and all that. And now I'm getting to the point where, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but what about those other 24 innings every week, right? That yeah, the bullpen exactly. Is I, I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll be comfortable providing I'm not seeing him you know, three any three consecutive days, not to take anything away from him. But right now, it's pretty clear. Richards, he, and Romano are the ones that, that they trust. Dolice, you know, Dolice is a guy that's going to drive people nuts. But right now, to me, it's those three. And this is what this is what makes me think. If they can get Merriweather or or Pearson back in September, I just, I, I give Pearson a run out in the ninth inning sometime. I just try to throw hard. See how it goes. You could see how it goes, but I need to see how he gets there first. Yeah. You know, my main thing, my main thing all along with Nate Pearson, whether or not he's a starter in A ball, triple A, or in the big leagues, he's gotta throw strikes. That's where it starts. Nate yeah. Pearson has electric stuff, but he's gotta throw strikes. And even more so if he goes to the bullpen, because he's only gonna have 
this many pitches and this opportunity. That's it. Yeah, I think Ryu has to be great. I think Barrios has to be great. I think Ray has to be great. I think Manoa t- needs to take another step forward. Limit the leverage situations you turn over yeah, to your bullpen. Can't, well, what that does, it, it it keeps away the Taylor Saucedos, the Patrick Murphys, the Kirby Sneeds. You could throw Brad Hand in there. Do you really trust Brad Hand in the I eighth gotta, inning with 91? But Raise you know your what? hand if you do. I have to see whether or not I do. I To me, I don't bring Brad Hand in, let him have two subpar outings, and then say forget about it. I can't afford to do that if I'm Charlie. No, we don't know yet. I don't think we know uh, what Brad Hand will offer this team. That's my opinion. Um, I think those guys that we talk about trusting, and it starts with Simber because of mm-hmm. how he's elevated his situation and how he commands the strike zone, and the fact that Romano is in there, but Romano is not going to be a guy you can lean on as frequently as Adam Simber. But that also then has its ripple effects. You can't go to Adam Simber every day. Yeah. There's just not enough coverage. And Barker's right. It's going to start with the starting pitching. The names that you just said, here's mm-hmm. the keys to the Blue Jays' success, are all starting pitchers. Ryu, that, that for me is the one guy. What, what's he going to give you down the stretch? Is it going to be the backed-up Ryu the arm speed's not there. The location, the sink on the changeup, the location on the fastball in, the cutter, is all that going to be there down the stretch? The three and a third, he can't do that consistently. It's got to be the sixth, the seventh inning, the dominant two runs. That's a lot to ask. Now, we've moved on from talking about the fifth starter spot, so that's that's good. 9.37 is the first pitch tonight. Yeah, around there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. asking Wagner. <laughs> around there, around there. It's a lot better. I said 6:37, but again, I am using the excuse that I was on West Coast time. Barker, thank you for doing this, Ben. Look forward to your call. See you then. We'll be back together, Barker and myself, and I don't know about 10 days after we take a little R and R. Well, Barker's still here for a couple of days. We'll do that. Jim and Hamilton, you walked us off. When I look at Espinal and Valero at third base, not only defensively, but their offensive numbers, where does that leave Biggio? And when I look at Kirk offensively, and I look at McGuire defensively and offensively, where does that leave Jansen? And both those guys, Biggio and Jansen, on the 40-guy roster. Two men in